This is Passport to Everywhere, an incredible worldwide journey as your host, Melissa Biggs Bradley, transports you to dream destinations, introduces you to extraordinary guests from all over the world, showcases the current state of travel, shares valuable insights, takes you behind the scenes at some of the most iconic hotels, and explores the future of travel. This is your your Passport to Everywhere. I'm incredibly excited to introduce today's guest, Mary Celeste Bell, who presides over not just one, but two of America's top destination resorts, the 4,200-acre Blackberry Farm near Tennessee's Smoky Mountains and its sister resort, the 5,200-acre Blackberry Mountain. Between them, she oversees major acreage, lots of farm animals, as well as 750 employees. And at home, she's a mother of five children. On Passport to Everywhere, we'll be covering the future of travel, destination deep dives, and legendary hotels. And I can't think of a better way to kick off our legendary hotel series than with Mary Celeste. I've been lucky to know Mary Celeste for a number of years and had the wonderful good fortune of visiting Blackberry Farm last spring with one of our special small group trips. Under her late husband, Sam Bell's leadership, Blackberry Farm earned a spot on the Condé Nast Traveler Gold List and three awards from the James Beard Foundation for its exceptional culinary expertise, its wine program, and its service. And over the past six years, since Sam's tragic death in a ski accident, Mary Celeste has used her expertise in business and her interest in art to keep Sam's legacy alive and to bring the brand to new heights. She oversaw the design and the opening of Blackberry Mountain in 2019, a second resort focused on wellness and adventure, which she and Sam had been planning before he died. She also launched Blackberry Magazine and an on-property retail store. Since taking on leadership of the property, Mary Celeste has racked up the accolades and helped to make Blackberry Farm the toughest hotel to book in America. I'm thrilled to sit down with her today to hear more about what makes Blackberry so special, to learn how she survived the tragic and the unexpected, and how she's continuing to build upon the Bell family legacy to evolve the one-of-a-kind adventures and experiences that highlight this very special region of America and make Blackberry such a unique destination. And stay tuned for this week's Travel Hack. We're talking about how to take advantage of airport lounges, with Indigari trip designer, Lionel Brown. We'll also let you in on some of our favorite lounges around the world. Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs-Bradley will continue. Follow Melissa on Instagram at Indigari Founder. Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs-Bradley. The international adventure continues. So, Mary Celeste, we're so happy to have you here with us today to share your story and your wisdom and to talk about one of America's and really the world's most iconic properties. Tell us kind of what it's like to be there right now. Transport us to Blackberry. Well, right now I'm actually at my house at Blackberry Farm and I'm looking out the window at the sheep pasture, which is right in front of my house. It's beautiful, lots of flowers. And it's sunny and gorgeous, and we're getting a few afternoon rains, which we love because that means that the fall colors will be even prettier. And everyone's just kind of enjoying these 
beautiful days to get out and explore. And do you remember how you felt or what you thought the very first time you set foot on Blackberry? I was just overwhelmed with the warmth and the welcome. Sam and I were actually in high school. That's where we met back in high school. And he lived in Alabama at the point. And he brought me up here. I was a junior in high school. And besides the drive of seeing the beautiful farms along the way, I just remember being greeted by this young man named Scott who worked at Blackberry for years and years and just feeling like I had arrived at their home, which really it was because that's how Blackberry started was as Sam's parents' home and Sam came home from the hospital to Blackberry. He liked to say that he was born at Blackberry. He was actually born in the hospital. But he came home to Blackberry. And so it just feels like home to me. And that's our goal for our guests is to feel like they're being welcomed to someone's home. And then how did you and Sam get more involved? Because it was already obviously a hotel if someone welcomed you and you felt like a home and and took it to a whole other level. His dream was always to be a chef or be part of Blackberry. He just knew that early on as a young person. So we moved here early on when we got married and he kind of took a stint in every department of Blackberry. And then his mom was really kind of running the show. His dad had another business he was focused on, but he always has loved Blackberry too. But it just felt like a natural progression. Sam really was excited to kind of take everything to the next level. It just kind of was a natural evolution. And we chose to live here and raise our family here. And everything that he took to the next level, and I just was alongside cheering him on, was taking our passions and the things we loved about the land and the things we saw. Like, if we love hiking, why don't we do more hiking events? You know, if we love food and wine and we love to sit at a table with a chef, not just have them serve us. If we want to learn more about wine and bring it from California or from Italy or France, or let's bring those personalities and bring it really to life in a different way for our guests. It sounds amazing because it really was your personal passion growing into something so special. But obviously, and we've talked about this before, but when Sam passed away in 2016, there must have been an enormous sense of overwhelmed from taking care of the property. And also you have a lot of kids. Did you immediately know that you wanted to carry on your involvement with BlackBerry? So Sam and I had chosen to move to BlackBerry to build our dream home that we talked about, you know, we're young, but we're building this home and it will be in our family forever. And he and I talked a lot about BlackBerry being in our family forever. And, and that's a challenge, honestly. He was second generation. My children are third, and a lot of times businesses don't make it to the third generation or past that. And so when he passed away, I just knew that continuing what we were doing together as a couple, as parent, just continuing the vision of Blackberry just felt so natural because that was our life. Our life was our community, our team, our friends that we had made through BlackBerry. And so my father-in-law actually mentioned it pretty soon after Sam passed away. And I just remember thinking, you know, if he believes in me and my mother-in-law, I mean, they had talked about it. 
if they believe in me, then I can do it. And also our team, so many of them are still here, but our leadership team, when Sam passed away in 2016, they were veterans. They knew Sam. Some of them had been here for five years only, but many of them had already been here for 10 plus years. And some of them have now been here for 22 years. And so I knew them, I knew their families, I knew their values, I knew their work ethic, they knew me. We just had this really strong connection and I knew that I could count on them and I knew they believed in me. It just felt natural. You guys built a family around the business, expanded your family. And so of course, if it was going to be able to be continued in the right way and supporting Sam's legacy, that makes total sense because you were a whole family doing it. It was a big group enterprise. And I'm sure you supported each other in lots of different ways in terms of both the business and, and personally. But obviously you think about Sam's legacy and you also think a lot about innovation. I mean, I think of all the things that you've done yourself. How do you sort of balance that? Do you just feel that you you always know what the two of you would do and you're just continuing on? That is a really good question because our business has changed in that it's grown. So when Sam passed away, we were in the midst of planning and dreaming and starting drawings for Blackberry Mountain, which is our project that is just 25 minutes away, but really feels so different. And it is 5,000 acres and it's just a whole different world over there. We were really in the midst of that. And so we said to ourselves, what would Sam do? What did Sam want? And now we're at a point with two properties in Walland. I know a lot of times Sam made these crazy decisions, things that were not logical, but he just believed in it and we could do that. Now we're, you know, having to say, okay, we have a much bigger team now. It's a different game, but it's still at the core. It's about taking care of our guests. It's about creating amazing, unique experiences. And it's about taking care of our team. It's the same core. It's just a different level of people and team. And it's about our family working with these incredible people who want to take care of our guests. And we are really a family. Yeah. And there's no question. I mean, I was lucky, as you know, we got to be together there last spring and, and you feel it. I mean, it really does feel like you're coming into someone's home, even though you're really big, even though you've got both of the properties, there's such a, a warmth, a true Tennessee kind of welcome that feels so special. I want to ask you, and I, I think this is a hard one, but I'm just curious after all that you went through in terms of taking on the business and managing your family after Sam died, you talked about your in-laws believing in you, but is there a lesson if someone said, you know, out of all of the tragedy and all of the responsibility that you took on, is there a learning that can come out of that? I've learned so much. I cannot tell you how much I've learned just about myself, about the power of community, but I would say if you have to narrow it down to kind of one or two things, it's really the power of believing in yourself and people believing in you and trust. And we really had to, you know, dig in and we had to trust each other. I felt so empowered by my in-laws. My mother-in-law literally used to mow the lawn, go to the grocery store, cook dinner, help clean rooms. I mean, she did 
everything at BlackBerry for years. So for her and my father-in-law to say, we believe in you and for our team at the same time, for me to trust and believe in the team, that was huge. And I think that if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to join you on your journey? And it starts inside. You have to believe. And when Sam passed away, I actually got up at his service and I wasn't planning it at all. I just told the minister, who's a friend, I said, as we were walking in, I said, hey, when you're done, if I start walking up there, then I'm coming up to say something. And he said, okay. And my message really was to everyone that we were going to be okay. And I said that because I was overwhelmed with the support of community. And that's the other thing I would say is find your people and having the right people in your life is just so powerful. Not just people that cheer you on and are encouraging, but people that question you and people that, you know, set boundaries and people that tell you when you're going offline, you know, some of the most powerful conversations I've had lately and is people saying to me, Hey, don't forget about this or look at this a different way, whether it's about parenting or BlackBerry. And I think having people that truly care about you means they're willing to have difficult conversations. You're so right, Mary Celeste. It is uh, absolutely the only way that I think we can get through all these hard times. And, And both of us, I'm sure had a pretty rocky time with the pandemic. Uh, None of us saw what was happening in hospitality coming in 2020. And I could imagine having to shut down for business when you had a huge staff. And I would imagine that that was also a really difficult time, but one that you probably got through a little bit easier because of all those things you just talked about. Yeah. No one was prepared for us to lose Sam in 2016. I mean, we were preparing to celebrate our 40th anniversary. And then, of course, we didn't see the pandemic coming. I mean, that was a really tough time because I care so deeply about our team. It was a time when we wanted to take care of our team. It really was amazing, though. We closed for the first time. We've never closed for a day. And it was a learning opportunity to really understand an experience we'd never experienced before. And we were very lucky that we were able to keep everybody employed. So Tennessee opened up fairly early. That was an interesting thing for me because I felt so bad for the rest of the world and the country. You know, we have so many friends in the hospitality industry whose restaurants were completely shut down for months and years. And That was an interesting feeling, but I felt like we were doing the right thing for our team and our guests felt comfortable. And that really kind of reinforced, I think, the power of space and people feeling really comfortable getting outside and knowing that they had an individual cottage and they weren't getting on an elevator. And mostly for me, It really, really reinforced just the power of the people in hospitality and not only how hard they work and how genuine their service is, 
but it also reinforced how important it is for us to take care of them as the guest and as the employer. I feel like we've always wanted to take care of our team, but it really came to light how people treat our team. And I really hope that it's changed people's perspective on service and how they treat someone that's taking care of them, especially someone that's wearing a mask for 12 hours a day or eight hours a day and serving someone. I just, that's my hope is that it kind of gives people a a light to really honor and respect the people that are making their experience so special. And I think there were quite a few silver linings or or new appreciations that we all learned in COVID. And, And certainly I hope that is one of them that people after not being able to travel, really understood that you were among the first places where Americans could go on vacation and get out of their houses where they've been locked down. And I certainly, having people call us and saying, where can we travel? BlackBerry was booming. In many ways, it showed, I think, a lot of people how amazing an experience can be within America. And you were really among the first to create something that is at a super high level in terms of the food and wine experience. I mean, people travel from all over the world to come and stay at BlackBerry because of what it represents as such an authentic, very unique American experience. But there hadn't been that many of them. And during the pandemic, when people couldn't get into BlackBerry and they had to start looking other places, it really, I think, has changed everybody's perception of what is possible in America. And you guys really led the way. I'd I'd be curious how you feel about that, because there's lots of people who now want to try and deliver the level of experience that you guys do in other parts of America, which I think is wonderful because we should see more of our own country. I agree. You know, it's interesting because back to my first visit to Blackberry, I didn't know where Wallen, Tennessee was, but it is a post office and a gas station. There's literally nothing else except for a lot of homes, but as far as community goes, and there are a lot of churches, but we've always just said, you know, how can we celebrate and bring to life what's so special about our area? And Sam and I lived in California for a short period for him to go to culinary school and to work at the French Laundry and to work on building our wine program, honestly. And We were fascinated by everything going on there with their incredible farmer's markets. And when we came back, it was like East Tennessee is about agriculture. East Tennessee is people living off of this incredible land, eating seasonally, working the land, preserving, doing all these. And Sam was thinking, why are we not doing more of this? I mean, that is our root. So I just think that we have stayed true to our region. And while at the mountain, we have said, okay, we're going to expand some of our flavor profiles and have more worldly flavors over there. We really have said, you know, what can we do with the land and how can we connect people to this place, but do it in a very authentic way that feels natural to us and is really showing off this beautiful area. At the same time, we're here in Walland, but we love bringing the world to us. And so- We love bringing guest vintners and guest chefs and musicians. And even though we're based in Walland, it really is a celebration of all the things we love, but it's like, how do we take them to the next level? But I do have to say, there is so much to see in America. 
And I think that people really, truly kind of think like, I'm going to do this big trip. I need to go to Europe. And we are very lucky that we're in America and we're a direct flight from so many places and also an easy drive. And during the pandemic, we had so many families just hopping in their car, bringing their dog and their kids, and they made a drive out of it and they felt very comfortable. So I do feel fortunate that we have so many beautiful parts of America and a lot of them are based around national parks. Yeah. Can you describe what you think an, a typical or an ideal day at Blackberry for a guest would be? That is a tricky one because it really, to me, is what do people want? First of all, it's when are you coming? What season is it? It's what are you trying to do? What's your goal? Is it that you're a busy mom working, managing children, and you just want to get away and relax and be pampered and hopefully do some exercise and have some great meals? Is it that you really need to reconnect with your person? and, you know, build a fire and have a romantic dinner? Or is it that you're wanting to learn something new? Is it that you want to be exposed to yoga or you like yoga, but you've never done aerial yoga? Is it that you want to push yourself physically, mentally? I mean, both properties offer so many different experiences that I think it really is about intention. And it's kind of saying, how do I want to feel when I leave? What do I want to learn while I'm there? And who am I with? We have people traveling by themselves, which I think now that I'm a single mother of five, I get, where do you feel comfortable traveling by yourself? It can be anything. And I will say with opening Blackberry Mountain, as we've built out the property over there, we have three kind of distinct different accommodations. We needed to test them. It's a really fun part of my job. So I've done more stays over there probably in the past three years than I've done at the farm. And every time I leave, I'm like, okay, wait, I didn't get to do this or I didn't get to do this because you can't possibly do it all in three nights. You could stay for a week and still feel like there was more to do. If you're being intentional and saying, I want to do this wellness week, or I want to do this adventure, or you just mix it all together. Anybody who goes to Blackberry is going to eat super well because I, and I did a lot of the things you talked about. I did the hiking, I did yoga, I did all sorts of things, but I also ate so incredibly well. And I know that was always a big focus from the beginning. It has been, can you explain to people a little bit about Foothills cuisine or sort of the specific way that you all think about food at Blackberry? Cause it's really special. So at the farm, we really kind of hang our hat on this Foothills cuisine concept. It's taking our roots. I mean, we're near the Smoky Mountain National Park, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and it's really kind of refined, rustic. And for us, it's all about taking what's given to us, you know, taking local ingredients. We do a lot of foraging. So it's really just between refined and rugged and all about seasonal, local, and what really makes sense on the plate in our community and our region. But at the mountain, we've kind of expanded the flavor profile and really taken it to more of a, how can something be more medicinal in a tasty, incredible way? I mean, that's kind of the challenge I think people have at Blackberry Farm and Mountain is that the food is so good, whether you're gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, vegan, it always tastes amazing. 
so it's really about celebrating our local. But it also ties into sustainability. I mean, you've talked about wellness, but I know that you're very thoughtful about the environment too. And have you evolved how important that is over the years to the property? We have. I would say our first and foremost thing has always been taking care of the land. And I think that that that's a big piece for us. That's actually why we even opened Blackberry Mountain is because we bought the land to protect it. It's 5,000 acres that you're looking at from the farm. And someone had the ability to do a thousand homes on it. And that just scared us so much. And so we bought the land to protect it. And then we took 10 years really to figure out exactly what to do there. But protecting the land is number one. And then I think when you think about where your food comes from and how can you support the local farmers, which that's something I think with COVID we've seen that all these Southern areas and all these rural areas are really growing because people are wanting to move out of their cities. And I worry where are people going to be getting their corn from and tomatoes. And, and so it's really, for us has been a big piece is really the food piece and sourcing. But I will say we've also done at Blackberry Mountain, this was an exciting thing and it was fun because it's a new property. So we had our guests, we trained them from the beginning and we said, we are not going to have plastic water bottles. We are giving everyone a Yeti. So when you arrive at Blackberry Mountain, we give you a Yeti with your name on it. And we have water refill stations all over, even in the woods. I mean, if you're doing a seven mile hike, we have a station out there for you to refill. And it has been really successful. So I think that's just a small thing we can do, but it's helping people change their habits and seeing the difference it makes because the environment, especially here, we thrive on mother nature, the views, being outside, hiking, exploring, just watching the sunrise. We have to take care of this beautiful land we've been given. Well, you should be pleased to know that my Yeti that I got when I was there in the spring is my travel water bottle. So I bring it every time I'm getting on a plane. I When I left Blackberry, it came with me and it's never left my carry-on bag. It's the bottle I use to not have plastic anywhere in the airports because that makes me crazy too. I think you're exactly right. It's the small steps that add up to changing habits. You mentioned the mountain as an expansion. I'd love to hear, because you always are doing different things, about some of the other ways that you're expanding the brand, from properties to magazines. You're doing so much. Can you talk a little bit about some of your new projects and what you're most excited about? Well, really, truly, it has been a whirlwind of six years since Sam passed away. I mean, we jumped right into getting Blackberry Mountain planned, open. We opened in 2019, then the pandemic hit. So it was like, we've been open for less than a year and it was all about reevaluating, figuring out. So it's been very busy, but I would say we're at, we're about to celebrate 50 years in 2026 at the farm. And when I look at that coming and I think about the mountain being on year three, For us, it's really about taking what we're doing and just continuing to hone in and really say, okay, this is working. This is where we want to be. How can we 
say, take our art program to the next level. At the Mountain, we opened with an art studio, which has been really fun. I think people love getting their hands, even non-creative people. It's just so good for your brain. And so we've continued to add new art installations. And we just opened our labyrinth at the Mountain. It's about continuing to kind of take what we're doing and elevate it. Same at the farm and really staying true to our roots, but, you know, moving forward in a way that makes sense for our guests. And it's also really taking care of our team. You know, we have a much bigger team now. And so we're kind of figuring out how do we take care of them in a way that we can keep that family feeling. I feel like Blackberry has never been about trends. When we opened the barn in 2007 and we expanded our garden and we started making cheese and charcuterie, and then we started making beer, all of these things were just passions. It was like, we love this and we think other people will love it. Let's do it. And that's how Blackberry's always evolved. I think that as we look into the future, it's really going to continue to be what do we feel passionate about that we want to share that we feel we can do authentically and take great care of people and provide a great escape for them. And one of the ways I know you guys have done that for a long time is with these sort of the curated weekends when you invite people, whether it's a chef or a musician, that's not something lots of hotels do. I mean, you almost just throw parties and invite people to come. I have to say it's really something that is so fun and so rewarding is to bring together a group, which you do so well. What I think is so magical about those experiences is that people are signing up and joining the group because they have a common interest. But then that common interest just leads to this incredible connection. And really, when I think about life and just what do I looking for just in my life is connection. And I think everyone wants to feel connected to someone, you know, in some way. And, you know, when you get people gathered around a table that came for one common thing like cycling, but then you get those cyclists at a table and they're drinking wine and they're having a new food experience. And it's this really powerful thing. So our events really is about us bringing these incredible personalities, bringing the world to Walland. You know, we're always doing some fun things. It's really such an enhancement and an enrichment to everyone, including our team. We're so lucky that our sous chefs get to work hands on with an incredible personality um, that in and sleep in their own bed that night. You know, I mean, our team is getting this great exposure as well. And that isn't the only way you expose your team. I mean, I know how important they are to you and it is like family. So they learn from the people who come, but you've also done some pretty amazing things in terms of having them educated off property in different ways. Can you talk a little bit about the focus on that? We have a world travel program. That was a big thing for Sam. He was not alive when we created this, but for him as in his development, he was lucky enough to grow up in a family where he got to travel and go to great restaurants and go stay in hotels. And so we realized, you know, if we want our team to be able to deliver incredible service, 
and we want them to also get out and see, you know, what does it feel like when you arrive at a hotel and they either treat you really well or they don't do such a good job with check-in or how does it feel to be at a restaurant, you know, when they mess up your order or when they do an amazing job in exposing you to a new wine. And so we've created this world travel program, which I think is a great opportunity for our team. But we've also done things like we have a tuition reimbursement program and we have other things that we're doing to just say to our team, look, we want to support you. We want to help you grow. We want to expose you to things. And, you know, we participate in several different things throughout the year outside of Blackberry, mainly in the food and wine realm. But, you know, our team travels for those. They get to spend time with other people in the industry. We do try to give our teams that exposure and let them be taken care of by other people, not just always them taking care of someone else. That's amazing. It's something that a lot of other places should think about offering for their teams. I'm curious about your BlackBerry Foundation, because that also is is quite unusual for a hospitality company to have a foundation like yours. Can you talk a little bit about the marriage of philanthropy and hospitality? That has been so rewarding. You know, we have these really successful, incredible, thoughtful guests that come to BlackBerry. And we have, for example, our events we have these amazing winemakers that come and share their story and chefs and, and our guests get so excited. And of course they will say, you know, I want to come to your restaurant or I want to come tour your vineyard or something. And so we created these small auctions at each event where bring to life what we've done at Blackberry over the past few days with our guests. We say we create these opportunities and then the funds go to the Blackberry Farm Foundation, which every business wants to contribute to their community. And, you know, we all get asked for this auction, that auction. And so we really said, we want to support the community, but we want to make a big impact. And so we're going to hone in on what we want to focus on and how can we really make a big impact. And so we have been really selective about different ways. For example, we have helped fund the Child Advocacy Center and it's really heartbreaking to know how important that is in our community. You know, we've supported them for 15 years or so, maybe longer. And this past year, I helped chair their capital campaign and they opened their new facility. And so It's really amazing for the generous guests from all over the country that are visiting to be able to have access to some great experience that they love, but also be able to help our community. It's really rewarding. Make a difference in other people's lives. No question. That's amazing. So I want to ask you about your own travels. You mentioned earlier the idea of solo travel and actually going to places on your own. I know you travel for lots of different reasons, but I'm dying to know what are places that you think are good for people to travel on their own? And then what's next on your wish list? Okay. Well, I hate to disappoint you on the solo because I have yet, well, I mean, I've stayed in a hotel here and there by myself, you know, if I go somewhere for a meeting or something, I would feel really comfortable going to do like a group, something like a group trip where I love a girl's trip, but I also like the mix. I like talking to different people. I don't want it to all be just women or the combination for me of getting physical activity 
and learning something and good food is like such a winner, you know, because I've been on a lot of trips where it's very food focused and it's so fun, but you're like, wait, I'm not even hungry for dinner. I needed to get some activity. And so activity is pretty critical, but then having downtime because I don't want to be so busy the whole time. For me right now, I really am dying to take my kids to Africa and my youngest is nine. And so Sam and I always talked about like, we've got to go when she's not edible by an animal. You know, we're like, she was three then. We're like, she's too little. She'll be loud. She might run off and you know, whatever. A lion canopy. Yes. And so I've kind of been waiting for her and um, I feel like my window is getting shorter because now my older kids, they won't have the window. And so I think I've got to plan that soon. I might be calling you. You've got another year or so. I mean, as you know, safari is one of my favorite topics and I just did a book on it, but I would say the best age is when the youngest is 10 or above. And so you're, you're just there. Yeah. Well, she is nine going on 21. Her oldest sibling's 24. And so I think we're there and I need to really just plan it. But really for me, travel is about how can I get whoever I want to be with together and not have to think. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I think the more we can take the burden off of the guest once they arrive. And so we work really hard to connect with the guests before they arrive. But sometimes people are so busy, but it's like, if we can help you figure out your goals for your trip before you come, then you just get to enjoy. And I don't always make that time when I'm traveling, but I know if I don't do it ahead, I know like, okay, I've made that choice. I know I'm going to have to think and plan and all that. But if we can take the burden off ahead, it just makes it so much more relaxing And when I'm with my kids and everyone is with me and we can, I don't have to look at my phone. I don't have to text. I don't have to say, where's this person who's going there or whatever. That to me is the greatest gift being together with people and being off the grid. And that is what I love about library is you can go off the grid. And I used to tell people this before cell phones where everyone carried them around everywhere. I used to say, you need to just tell your kids you don't have a good signal. And if they want to call you for an emergency, call our front desk and they can leave you a message. And if it's an emergency, our team will come find you. Even with cell phones, I'm like, do it. Tell your kids, like, I'll check in with you at 5 p.m. Don't text me and ask me where your soccer cleats are because I'm not there and you can find them. We got to separate. We got to have time away. And I think you're totally right. One of the best things about travel is it, in a way, it can be a form of meditation. It can force you to be present. And I agree with you. And we can certainly help you plan your safari this way. You do all the work up front so that when you're there, when you're experiencing those precious travel moments, you're entirely in the being of it as opposed to being and planning at the same time. And that's exactly what you guys do so well. If you had to crystallize the biggest gift of travel, what would you say that is? I think it depends on where you are in your life. You know, are you trying to escape from something hard at home? Because escape is good. You know, we can't escape all the time, but sometimes you need a reset. And I would say perspective, whether you need to escape from something and you're getting another perspective or 
whether you need perspective on how great your life is, traveling somewhere else and seeing how another culture lives. I'd say perspective and connection are the two things connecting with whoever you're traveling with. Or for me, a lot of times it's connecting with myself. It's being away from my everyday and having time to think and process and think about what am I missing at home? Not in like a FOMO. It's more like, okay, when I'm away, this is what I'm yearning to be back to, which gives you perspective on every day. What should be our focus? What is important? And then it also gives you just that incredible perspective of how it feels to come home. And I feel so lucky that I love my home and just the way it makes me feel. And I think that's pretty magical. I mean, I travel a lot just for different things for work and, you know, fun to see friends, but home sweet home. I mean, I hate to say it to the travel guru, but (laughs) you know, it gives you perspective. And then the other thing is I love when I look around my home and I look at something that I've bought on a trip and then you're transported back to that place and that feeling you had and travel is, I think it's so important. And I think that your comment earlier about the availability of really, truly special experiences in America, I would encourage anyone who's listening, if they're dreaming of ever going on an Indigari trip, or they're dreaming of ever coming to Blackberry Farm or Blackberry Mountain, keep those dreams alive. But at the same time, take advantage of what's around you and just do a day trip, do something to get outside of your everyday, whatever that means. If it's going to a yoga class in your community, and then going to a special dinner or a special lunch or Treat yourself in your own community and take a vacation day that doesn't mean getting in a car or an airplane or packing a bag. I mean, we all need those escapes to take care of ourselves. Couldn't agree more. That's beautifully said. Thank you. If you are advising someone going to Blackberry, whether the farm or the mountain, is there one item on the menu that you always recommend or one meal that you always say to guests, you got to fit this in at some point while you're here? That is so tough. I mean, we have six chefs, six restaurants. I would say, okay, the farm at the barn, Cassidy is always doing some version of a farm egg dish, which I believe we had when we were together. And that, as long as you like eggs, she kind of has a seasonal version. And so I would highly recommend that. I would also say, be open-minded, try something you've never tried before, ask questions, you know, what is this because, and taste it. Every restaurant's incredible, but hiking to lunch is one of my highlights because it's an intense, but it's only 45 minutes. My nine-year-old did it when she was seven. It's so rewarding. The view's amazing. And so hiking to lunch at the fire tower is for sure something everyone has to do when they go to Blackberry Mountain. I'm spoiled because I drove. Next time I got to come back and hike. But that fire tower is incredible. Those views are just amazing. And it's such a special venue. So that's great advice. And I don't know how you could miss breakfast because those eggs are so amazing. Okay. So is there a best place at the farm to take a photo? We all live in this Instagram age, but are there sort of iconic spots? So it's interesting because at the mountain, we strategically said, let's create this spot. Let's do this out in the woods because I'm always like, how am I going to motivate my 
eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, you know, now they're all different ages, but how am I going to get them to go hiking with me? So we need a destination with a view. And we did that at the farm. You really don't have to go far because right outside the main house, the veranda, the view is just stunning. And so I think probably every guest takes a picture there, but also our swing, which is near the main house lawn. It's just right there. Everyone loves a good swing photo. And then there's one more. The Overlook Trail is just a literally 10 minute loop in the woods. I mean, we have much, much longer hikes, but this is an easy little 10 minute. There's a pretty little spot where you're looking down on the farm from above. Every time I go, even if I go once a week, I end up taking a picture just because I just, it makes me feel not always of myself, just of the view, but it's just like gives you this great feeling up there. That's amazing. Okay. So if someone is packing for a trip to Blackberry, what should definitely be in their bag? So packing for Blackberry, you have to be strategic because you've got to have a few different kinds of shoes. The shoes ruin the suitcase, but you need your active shoes for sure. Cause you're going to want to walk, hike, explore. You got to get some real, you know, shoes you can be active then. And then layers depending on the season, but I always feel like an extra layer is always nice, but it's a balance of at the mountain people. I think they overpack literally the mountain. You could live in your exercise clothes all day because you want to go to yoga in the morning. Then you want to hike to lunch. Then you're just going to eat lunch in your hiking clothes. And then in the afternoon, you might go to the spa or put on a bathing suit or, you know, and then you're going to dinner. So it's like here at the farm, you know, you might knock around the farm and you might not be wanting to go to lunch in your hiking clothes. People do that all the time. I also tell people to leave their heels at home because it really truly is a mountain. And so there are a lot of paths that, you know, are a little steep and I'm like, just ditch the heels. I hate high heels anyway. So it's like, wear comfortable, wear boots to dinner, boots and a dress, you know, flat sandals. And you mentioned the seasons. Could you describe what your favorite part of each of the seasons in the Smoky Mountains is? Because I'm sure you've got a favorite moment in fall, winter, spring. So we're wrapping up summer. I would say summer is the lightning bugs. I mean, the sounds at night, the stars, it's really quintessential summer. And that's kind of a unique thing I feel like about where we are is that we have four distinct seasons. And I actually cannot look at a wool sweater for months because it's hot in the summer and the evening I feel like is just so lovely in the summer and then fall I mean the leaves and the color I mean to me I'm lucky enough that I drive into Blackberry but whenever I turn towards Blackberry heading to the mountains and then I turn on our street it's such a beautiful situation, getting to just watch as the leaves evolve and saying, oh, wait, that one's getting redder. That one's kind of ready pink now. You know, the colors are beautiful. And then the winter, it's funny because for a long time, the winter was not a season that was highly demanded here. But now people are really understanding and appreciating just how relaxing it is. And I feel like winter is a time to really slow down and kind of just hunker in, but it's also a beautiful time to hike. Sam and I always loved hiking in the winter. A, because, you know, there's no bugs. There's 
no real creatures out and the views because all the leaves are down except for the evergreens. And so the views really get even more magical. And I love seeing the shapes of things. And I think in the winter, you can see really the shape of the tree. And I love hiking in the winter. The spring is just such a time of renewal and just refreshing. And it's like the world is coming back to life at the farm in particular, because I've lived here for 20 years. It's like, you can just watch it come to life. You know, you see the fern fronds coming up and peeking out and you see certain wildflowers. Everyone will be like, oh my gosh, I just saw a lady slipper today. And the lady slippers are these amazing, they're very orchid-like and just fascinate me. So spring just blows me away every year. Just the fact that these same plants burst through and come back to this total glory is just incredible. They're all so evocative. I want to be there in every single season. It's amazing. Okay. Is there something that you always take with you on when you travel? I have a little bag that I always keep with me that has on guard or thieves oil. Forgive me, the people that sit next to me on the plane sometimes because it wards off, you know, germs. And sometimes I forget to put it on before I get on the plane. So then I'm like secretly putting it on. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, it smells kind of clove ish in here. And I always have a water bottle. And I still believe in the paperback or the hardback book. I'm trying to convert to the Kindle and I just can't take the plunge. And so I end up sometimes I take books all over before I even open it. That's kind of something I got to work on is the Kindle. I hear you. I love reading a a real book, but I also, you can bring 15 books and one tiny Kindle or iPad. So it's worth it. Is there a travel hack that saved you from headaches or frustrations or a travel tip that you tell people since you are a frequent traveler? I would say having the right carry-on bag is just so incredibly important. And for those of us, so we have a lot of commuter flights in and out of Knoxville, even though we have a lot of direct flights, a lot of times they're really small planes. And so they, some airlines won't let you take on a bag with wheels, which even if it's squishy, I'm learning how to take a carry on without wheels or how to don't listen airlines just carry it in my hand and then squish it in and hope they don't see that it has wheels. I completely agree with you on the carry-on being critical, but I could never imagine carrying it mine through the lengths of the airports. They're so long so often. So those wheels are amazing, but I'll keep my eyes out for secret wheels for you. I would love that. It would be game-changing for me because when I have to connect and then I have to wait to claim my carry-on and then go on, it's so frustrating. Well, thank you so, so much. This was fantastic, Mary Celeste. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm so glad it worked out. I know we've been talking about this since 2020. Um, Thanks for doing this. Bye. Thank you, Mary Celeste. You can get more information about the Blackberry properties at blackberryfarm.com and blackberrymountain.com. Stay tuned for this week's travel hack. We're talking about how to take advantage of airport lounges with Indigari trip designer, Lionel Brown. We'll also let you in on some of our favorite lounges around the world. Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs Bradley will continue. Listen to new episodes Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Sirius XM Business Radio Channel 132. 
You're listening to Passport to Everywhere. Here's your host, Melissa Biggs-Bradley. This week on Travel Hacks, we're talking about how to take advantage of airport lounges with Indigari trip designer, Lionel Brown. How are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Now, lounges are much needed retreats as airports have become so hectic. And they're places that you can catch up on work with high-speed Wi-Fi. They've got private cubicles. Some of them have business centers. Some of them have gyms and showers and napping rooms. They always have great bars and buffets. So, Lionel, will you give us some of your lounge intel? Can you give us some advice about, you know, what to think about if you're going to the airport and you want to get into one of these lounges, what are the ways that you can make the most of these visits? Do your research before you get there. Not all lounges are equal, and particularly in the large airports, you know, there may be an, a concourse at one end, and then there may be a smaller one down the other end. If you do a little bit of research before you get there, you're going to maximize your time and have less stress involved. And what about being able to access the lounges in the first place? What are some of the ways that people can guarantee that they're going to get into these? I think traditionally the main way was you'd have a business or first-class plane ticket or be an elite frequent flyer. If you fly with the same airline regularly, you've got access to their lounges and their alliance partner lounges, which for international travel can be useful. More recently, you've got the the credit card companies trying to one-up each other. So Amex in the last decade or so has had their own lounges now Chase and Capital One are coming on board too, opening lounges in the next year or two. But those are the main main ones. And a lot of the the credit card access you may not realize you've got, like I believe some Amex cards, if you fly Delta, you automatically get access to their Sky Clubs, et cetera. So there's a a myriad of different ways. But it's, it's a matter of doing some homework as well. I've been disappointed because domestically, that isn't always true that a business class ticket gets you into lounges. So for instance, I've flew on a business class ticket not that long ago, domestically on American, on American, they don't let you into the lounge, even if you're first or business class, if you're not traveling internationally. Does that vary a lot in terms of which airlines give you what? Generally in the US, they try to sell them as well, which is another means of getting in there, a a lounge membership. But domestic does not give you access, usually unless you're going coast to coast. And how does that work, buying access? It's an annual membership. So I believe it's about five $600 a year, give or take, depending on the airline. And then what about Priority Pass? Because that's a membership that has works for multiple lounges and I think it's a little less expensive. Exactly. And that's included in many credit cards as well. And you can purchase it outright too. In general terms, most Priority Pass lounges, I would say, are in a different league to the airline managed and the credit card managed lounges those. I would put that as a plan B. And what about when you're in the lounge? I mean, do you have tips for how to get the most out of your time there? Depending on the lounge, a lot of the international lounges have food. Some, if you've got an extended layover, for example, have little bedrooms or lounge areas you can use. Some of the better international lounges have spa and wellness areas. So there's a myriad of different options. I think it's just another one to try to do some research before you get there. Because a lot of those where they have wellness options, you actually need to have booked your reservation for a massage or something in advance, don't you? Exactly. So you, you need to book your time slot ahead of time. And I think one interesting thing that you alluded to before, I noticed some of the new Delta lounges, kind of WeWork style phone cubicles, that, uh, a soundproof that's good for anyone doing business while on the road too. And what about the agents 
at the lounges in terms of being able to help you if you need to change a ticket or if your flight gets delayed? Are they people that you should rely on? Yeah, definitely. Um, from from experience, they seem to be some of the more senior airline staff. So if, if in a time of need, they are definitely the people you should approach, more so, I would say, than in the general terminal. So if you're in a big snowstorm and need to get rebooked, yeah, they'd be your first point of contact. Okay. And any tips for not missing your flight if you're having too good a time in the lounge? I would definitely set an alarm on your phone. <laughs> and depending how big the airport is, more than a few minutes before boarding. Yeah, because I think we sometimes get spoiled in the U.S. and, and assume that the lounge is pretty close to the boarding terminal. And that's not always true, particularly internationally. A lot of them come before a level of security, right? Exactly. Or, or sometimes before immigration, like in the smaller European airports, it's it's often before the Schengen exit immigration. So you've definitely got to factor that in too. So do you have any absolute favorite lounges around the world, Lionel? I think my two favorites would be Lufthansa has a pretty special lounge in Frankfurt for first class, and it's like a hotel. Some of the Emirates lounges around the world have direct access to the gates, so you don't even have to go back into the general terminal. That's pretty great. Yeah, and I have to say, if you fly first class on Air France, they have a special dedicated lounge, and they take you in a car directly from the lounge across the tarmac up to the plane, which is pretty special. Thank you so much, Lionel, for all of this great information. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me back, Melissa. Always good chatting. And special thank you to our guest this week, Mary Celeste Bell from Blackberry Farm. Find out more about her properties and her projects at blackberryfarm.com and follow them on Instagram at Blackberry Farm and at Blackberry Mountain. Thank you for tuning in to Passport to Everywhere this week. Find more episodes of Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs Bradley streaming now on all podcast platforms and anytime on the SXM app. Follow Melissa on Instagram at, at Indigari Founder. And for more on Melissa, head to Indigari.com. I N D A G A R E. Send us your questions about travel, passport at SiriusXM.com or call us at 646 535 7297. This has been Passport to Everywhere. everywhere.